What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Sports on the House. We're going to talk about the NBA draft, picks 1 through 20, what stood out to us, what didn't. Um, Jovic to Miami, that was one. Did the Knicks and Pistons make the right moves? And uh, as we said earlier, what picks stood out to us? And uh, I'm joined by Nathan Wasserman and Aaron Level. What's up, guys? Hey, how you doing? What's up, man? Aaron, how's it going? First time on. Yeah, first time on, but uh, excited to be here. Glad yeah, man. To be, uh, able to share some thoughts about this draft. Sounds good. Uh, let's get right into it. So um, the first pick of the NBA draft was with the Magic, and uh, there was reports that they were favored to take Jabari Smith. And then uh, 30 minutes before the draft, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski came out and basically said that the Magic were torn between Smith and uh, Paolo Bancaro. I think that's a little weird. You have six weeks to prepare and you don't know who you're going to take 30 minutes before the draft. I don't know if that was true or not. Maybe Bencaro was their guy all along, but uh, Bencaro is indeed the pick here. Um, what were your thoughts on that, Nathan? Yeah, you know, I think the Magic actually made the right decision here. Well, at least between the two guys. I'll talk about the Holmgren when we talk about the Thunders pick. But I really am uh, – I'm pretty high on Bencaro overall. I think he's going to be a great NBA player. Um, I think he had the highest floor of any player in this draft. Um, and I think he's probably gonna be able to help right away. Um, and I think he has a ceiling as like a multi-time all-star. I don't know if he's going to be the guy that's going to uh, turn this franchise around, but I think he's a great piece for this team and something to really get them headed in the right direction as a guy that's going to contribute and be a good player for them. Whereas Jabari Smith, I'm not sold on him ever really succeeding. I mean, maybe if he ends up in the right situation, that's something that could he could really get into his potential. But as, as, as far as going to the Magic and playing with that team, I really saw Jabari Smith as kind of flaming out. So I think they made the right decision there with Boncaro. He's more of a stable guy. Hey, interesting. What about you, Aaron? Yeah, so uh, full disclaimer, uh, I should probably tell everyone this. I did go to Duke, so I might be a little biased um, <laughs> about the pick. But, you know, I, I love Jabari Smith. I think he's got a, a lot of potential for the future. I see him as like a Jaron Jackson type player, which is always pretty valuable. But when I was looking at this draft, it's like it just seemed to me that Paolo was by far the most NBA ready and the most talented. And so I actually got to watch pretty much every game he played at Duke this past season. And he's got some flaws. I mean, there are times where he doesn't stay aggressive. He settles for some bad jump shots. But what really you know, stood out to me about Paolo is how clutch this guy is. Um, I watched him in the tournament and he was shooting lights out. I think he shot like 53% from the three-point line throughout the tournament, took his team to the final four and put a lot of the weight of the team on his back. And so I think for a team like the Thunder or not the Thunder, the Magic, I mean, you know, they've had, they have a lot of young guys and they don't really have anyone that's been willing to take that offensive load for them. And I think that's something that Paolo does a lot better than Chet and does a lot better than Jabari. And so I think for them, this just, this pick just made a lot of sense. I think everyone just was surprised because, you know, they didn't even interview the guy. They kept talking about Jabari Smith, but you know, in retrospect, I think they nailed this one. Yeah, uh, you guys hit it on the head on that one. I agree. I thought it was a little weird. I think Paolo might be the first player in NBA history to be the first draft pick to not have a visit or anything. That was a little bizarre. Um, I think Paolo Bencaro is the most NBA ready. I agree with that. Um, only reason I would like to see Jabari here is because they have Franz Wagner. So I think the fit would have been a little better. I think uh, sharpshooter, but Bencaro has all the qualities. I think they just took the guy they think is going to be a star and multiple NBA all-star. 
And uh, honestly, you can't really disagree. Paulo Bangaro is a really good player. I think uh, he's the safest pick. And I think, uh, like you said earlier, he's the most NBA ready. So I have no issues with that. Um, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. They have a really nice core now, uh, Franz Wagner and him. Uh, just going to be interesting to see how they, how they fit. That's really my only question to that. But uh, as far as what the Magic did, safe pick. And I really can't complain. So anything else on Paulo? I mean, look, you know, when you're the Magic and you are what you are. I don't think you worry about fit at this point in time. Um, I think you worry about getting the best player, and I think that's what they did. Yeah. Some, to, to mention what you're talking about shooting, yes, Jabari Smith was a better three-point shooter last year, and he, I mean, clearly is a better shooter, better free-throw shooter. But as, as Aaron was saying, he, Paolo Banquero did improve throughout the season in his shooting. And, I mean, he was a 73% free-throw shooter to Jabari Smith's 80%. And in general, free throw shooting in college is actually a better predictor of three-point percentage in the NBA, not three-point percentage in college. And so while Jabari Smith does have the advantage a little bit there, I, I think there's no reason that Boncaro can't improve and become a solid three-point shooter in the NBA. And it's sometimes more about having the option to be a three-point shooter than being a great, excellent three-point shooter when you're a great player um, of their mold. Because if you have a three-point shot, then they have to guard you out there and it opens up the whole floor. And I think Boncaro has just a much better ceiling in other aspects of his game, whereas Jabari Smith could end up regressing to only being a three-point shooter. And so that's something to watch for. Yeah, well said. Uh, look, your pick in here is here. Uh, Paolo Boncaro is really good. No one's going to you know, argue that. Um, a lot of people agreed that he is the best player on the board, and a lot of people agreed that the Magic make the right pick. And historically, they do nail the number one pick. They took Shaq. They took Chris Weber, they took Dwight Howard, now they take Bahala Ben Carroll. And uh, those three pan up pretty well. So um, Magic made the right pick, I think. I think we all agree on that. And Aaron, anything else you have to say on this? I mean, I'm just excited to see Paolo. I think, you know, people view the Magic as kind of, you know, the black hole of the NBA where players go to die. But <laughs> I think, you know, they've had a couple of times in their history where they've been relevant. And I'm just hoping that uh, Paolo can be one of those, uh, one of those players for them. Well said. All right. That brings us to the second pick in the NBA draft, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, virtually every mock draft had Chet Holmgren going here. Um, we, we, we actually saw how much the Thunder actually liked uh, Chet because there was rumors they were interested in Jabari Smith. Uh, the pick was in within 30 seconds. They still took Chet. And uh, Nathan, I know you're really high on him. So why don't we start with you? What, what was your pick take on this pick? Yeah, I think the Thunder nailed this pick. They are in a situation where they need to be taking the guys at the highest ceilings. When you have this many darts to throw, you throw darts at the highest possible ceiling of a player because if it doesn't pan out, you're right back there next year with seven more picks. So the <laughs> whole idea of taking safe guys with when you have so many draft picks, it's not going to get you anywhere. You can have 11 safe guys but no stars, and they're going to be fighting for playing time, and these safe guys aren't going to get any time, and they're not going to be any good. So if you keep throwing darts and you hit with two or three of these super high ceiling guys, that's when you create a championship team out of all these draft picks. So that's the value in these picks. And I actually like what they did later when they had a guy they wanted. I don't necessarily agree with the guy they wanted later on. We can get to that. But they, they had a guy they wanted and they said, OK, here's three first round picks. We're going to trade up and get this guy because they have the capital to do that. And so I was a little bit worried about the Thunder just trying to spend all these picks on just guys and not necessarily them getting playing time and the way they're doing it, I think is the right way to do it, which is get the guy you want and get the guy with the high ceiling and don't worry about the price you're paying for it. Yeah. Well said Aaron. Yeah. You know, I'm a little lower than Nate is on 
Chet Holmgren. Um, you know, I, I always get a little nervous when you see these really tall players with a skinny frame because we always want to compare them to somebody like Kevin Durant. But more times than not, they end up being more like a Porzingis where, you know, they play really well, but just get plagued by injuries down the line. And so I was a bit lower on Holmgren than a lot of other people were. But I think despite all that, I'm still I'm still happy with what the Thunder did, just because if everything pans out well, Chet Holmgren could end up being the best player in this draft. I mean, to be a seven, like a seven-footer, able to hit threes like that, and he's a great shot blocker too. I think he's going to do everything the Thunder want from him if he stays healthy. And I think the, the other good thing is the Thunder, they're not trying to win right now. And so for somebody like Chet, who needs to bulk up a little bit to be able to stay on the court, I think he's got the time to do that. The Thunder are going to be able to let him develop take his time and there's not going to be as much pressure for him to produce night in and night out. And so I think it's a good fit for both sides. And I think they should be happy that, you know, they were able to stick with their guy and not panic once Jabari Smith dropped down to them. Yeah, that's very well said. Look, Chet Holmgren um, has all the tools to be an NBA star. I think a lot of people, I think the real questions are for a lot of these, you know, so-and-so called so-called NBA experts is his body frame, but his body frame does not scare me. Um, I think he's going to be able to do a lot of things. Look, he's not drafted there to be the center. He's drafted there to be, you know, a distributor and uh, no, maybe play some forward. I'm not too worried about him. He's going to have tremendous time to develop. He plays in Oklahoma, so there won't be a big market as towards that as pressure. He's just going to be able to play. And he has Josh Giddy and uh, Shea Gildas Alexander. Those are two perfect guards to play with. Um, also, the OKC Thunder made multiple picks later on in the round, which we'll talk about too. So, this team is going to have plenty of time to gel. They have really no pressure. As you said, they have no time frame to win right now. Um, I agree. I think OKC made the right pick. Um, like we said earlier, he doesn't have the sexiest body, but you know what? He uh, has a bunch of skills that a lot of players don't know they have. And truly, he does have the highest ceiling in this draft. And as Nate said earlier, you want to throw as many darts as you can. And uh, yeah, I think the OKC Thunder nailed this pick. Um, he could have arguably gone number one, but uh, I like that he went to OKC. I think that's a better fit for him. So uh, I agree on Chet Holmgren, guys. And, you know, I'll say there is always, of course, it's tempting to compare guys to uh, current NBA players. I don't think there's any NBA player that we've ever seen that's like what Chet Holmgren can be. I agree. Because, I mean, he's not the shooter that Kevin Durant is, so I get he has the height. But Kevin Durant's a better shooter. than I mean, Holmgren shot like 72% from the free throw line last year in college. He's going to be a guy that can shoot the three. But he's not going to be like, I mean, Kevin Durant's one of the greatest shooters ever. It's not fair to make the comparison. But on the other hand, I mean, this guy just averaged almost four blocks a game in college and 10 rebounds um, in in 27 minutes a game. So he's going to be an incredible rebounder, an incredible shot blocker. He's a great defender, extremely efficient. He shot 61% from the field and 74% from two. Um, And a guy who can shoot threes. So what he's going to be is an incredible defender, rim protector, rebounder, and a guy who can score very efficiently on the offensive end who doesn't need other people to create for him. He's not going to be the greatest shooter, shooter ever. He's not going to be Dirk. He's not going to be KDD. He's going to be Chet Holmgren. And that's, I mean, that, that's the type of thing. When you're your own guy, that's when you can become one of the greatest ever. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of people said, oh, well, Tom Lincoln, let's uh, compare him to Christoph Porzingis. They couldn't be any more off when it comes to that comparison either. Um, so, yeah, that's it on check, guys. Um, third pick, um, Houston Rockets, they took Jabari Smith. I think everyone's not surprised in the order. One, two, three. You could have made it any way you want, but those are the top three. Um, Jabari Smith to the Houston Rockets. Look, sharp shooter, shot really well in college, plays solid defense, um, could have easily gone number one. 
I'm a little bit more high on him than uh, Nathan is. Uh, I think he's going to be a solid player. I don't think he'll be a multiple all-star, but I think he's going to be a really good player, maybe make a couple all-star games. But, um, yeah, I think this is a very safe pick for the Houston Rockets. They're going to pair him with Jalen Green. And, uh, yeah, uh, they got a little bright future. They got the young center, Alex Singon, there. Uh, so, Aaron, what was your take on this pick? Or Nathan. Yeah, so I I think the Rockets did what everyone expected by taking Jabari Smith. I mean, it was a clear-cut top three, in my opinion, in this draft. And I'm glad the Rockets just played it safe by taking the best player available rather than trying to get super creative with it and potentially messing up their draft. I mean, I think Jabari Smith, I think Nate mentioned this a little bit earlier, He's a great shooter. He's 6'10". He's long. I don't think he's the best defender, to be honest. I think he has a lot of room to grow there. But I think if there's anywhere he's going to grow, it's on the Rockets, who aren't going to be winning a championship anytime soon. He's not going to be competing for minutes. And so I think he'll have some time to develop defensively next to Tari Eason, who they actually drafted later, who's a great defender, might be able to learn a thing or two there. And he'll just be a great floor spacer now that Christian Wood is gone. It'll be him, you know, uh, Jalen Green, I think they're going to pair very, very well together in that little pick and roll, pick and pop. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, they did the safe thing and doing the safe thing was the best thing for them. Yeah. All right. Well, cover your ears, Rockets fans. Nathan has something to say about Jabari Smith. <laughs> I mean, look, I'll give the guy a little bit of credit. Um, you know, he's, he wasn't the best defender. He wasn't the worst defender last year. I mean, something about defense in college. As we saw with Andrew Wiggins, the guy wasn't a good defender for a lot of years. He went to the place where they could teach him a little bit. Maybe Draymond Green was in his ear a little bit. People with the physical tools can play defense. I mean, Jabari Smith does have the physical tools, and I, I think he'll end up being a good enough defender in the NBA. Now, with that being said, I don't know, man. I watch the guy. He looks great sometimes. And then in the NCAA tournament against the Canes, he got absolutely dominated by Sam Wardenberg. And if a guy like Sam Wardenberg, I mean, he's, he's older. He was an older guy. He was like a fourth, fifth year senior. And frankly, Jabari Smith looked like he had just no answer for him. He was blocking the shot left and right. I mean, he couldn't do anything. So if that's the kind of guy that's going to shut you down inside, I mean, these NBA players are all older than him. They're all going to be bigger and stronger than him. I mean, he's really like, I'm scared that he's going to use his three point shot as a crutch. And he's just going to become a three-point shooter. And that's not what you're trying to draft number three overall. Um, so I'm very worried that he's going to kind of fall back on that as a crutch and never develop an interior game because he's going to be so worried about just getting dominated by these bigger, more experienced centers. All right. Interesting. Well, that's the beauty of the NBA draft. No one knows the answers till it actually happens. Um, very good points. All right. I want to get to number four. This is one of my most scrutinized picks. Um, I have nothing against Keegan Murray. I think he's going to be a really good player. He's arguably the best player in college basketball. This pick has more to do with the Sacramento Kings than anything. I thought they had a chance to really set up their future nicely by either taking Ivy. I thought there was a not a significant, but a, a drop off from one through four. And then after that, I thought there was a small drop off. Um, Keegan Murray, as I said, really good player, arguably the best player in college basketball. Um, Sacramento Kings could have gotten multiple first round picks. Um, there was numerous teams that called about this pick. I think the Sacramento Kings uh, panicked a little, little bit and took him at number four when they could have gotten him at six or seven. 
Uh, they could easily have traded back. Um, the issue was Jaden Ivy didn't want to go to the Kings, didn't take interviews with them, didn't show up for workouts. It's harder to take a player that you didn't want to draft or that doesn't want to be drafted by you. Um, I don't know. What, what, what's your take on the Kings and, and what they did, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, so I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here. Uh, I don't think it was an awful pick. I mean, like you said, Keegan Murray, I think, made his case as one of the best college basketball players last year. I think this guy is incredible offensively. He's a three-level scorer that was having his way with the Big Ten, which is not an easy thing to do given the strength of that conference. And so, you know, given that Jaden Ivey, like you said, didn't want to go to the Kings, you never want to draft a guy that doesn't want to be there. And I think Keegan Murray is the kind of guy, you know, he'll keep his head down, he'll put in the work, and he'll just keep getting better. So I think for a franchise like the Kings, who don't, in my opinion, have a real sense of direction for what they're doing in the future yet, I think having a guy like Murray gives them the most, the most options. I think my one issue with this pick is the fact that they did it right after trading for Sabonis which to me feels a little redundant just because the two seem to have a very similar role and that they're offensive power forwards. Um, and I just don't know how they're going to fit well together, especially defensively. So I think there's going to be a lot of things that Kings have to figure out. And I think that's going to be on the coaching staff, but I think as an organization, you can't be upset having a talent like Keegan Murray. And so given that they were in a tricky spot here, you can always hypothetically trade down, but you can never be sure that, you know, the Pistons don't just come in and swoop up Keegan Murray. So I don't, I don't hate the pick. Um, I think they just have to figure out how to make the most of having Murray on their, on their roster. Yeah, interesting said. Uh, I, I agree. Um, look, like you said, the fit, it's going to be difficult with Sabonis being there and Keegan Murray being there. But this is a win-now pick. Uh, he's, he's 22 years old, so he's not, a, you know, he's not a rookie, a rookie from college. He's a little older. He has more experience. Um, this was definitely more of a win now pick. I agree. But Nathan, what was your take on this pick? You know, I was going to make a kind of a similar point there with uh, Sabonis. If you're going to trade, um, if you're going to trade Halliburton for Sabonis, why are you going to take another forward? That being said, you know, I mean, Murray's a little bit of a better shooter than Sabonis. It's not that substantial, but he's more kind of perimeter oriented. And Sabonis is a great passer. So I think if you're going to take two guys that are sort of similar, those are the two guys that can kind of make it work. I'm kind of interested to see how that's going to play because neither of them can really take the center role. So you're probably going to play Murray like a, as a small forward, um, which size is good. So if he can guard other small forwards, then that they, they'll be they'll be a long team. And if you take Fox, Murray, and Sabonis, and that's a decent core if uh, Murray pans out. So I'm a little bit intrigued by this pick. It doesn't make that much sense given what they just did. But I think based off of their skill sets, they might be able to make it work. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, interesting said. Look, we'll see what the Kings, uh, they have a notorious history of drafting really terrible in the first round. Um, but, you know, this is, like I said, when I'm, I'm not picking on Keegan Murray. I think he's a really good player. I'm picking more on this organization. I thought they had a lot of options. Um, you know, they traded for Sabonis last year. They gave up Halliburton, who I thought would have been an awesome piece there. Uh, they have the Aaron Fox. So I figured, you know, they would, they're trying to win now. So I don't know what they're doing, but like, like you guys said, Keegan Murray's a good player. It's an intriguing piece for sure. And uh, time will tell. So that brings us to the Detroit Pistons at number five. Um, I really loved what the Detroit Pistons did. I, I think they nailed this draft. Um, obviously you have to play and see what happens. Jaden Ivey is one of my favorite players coming into this draft. Um, he gives me a little bit of shades of John Moran. I'm not saying he is John Moran, but 
watching his highlight tape, he looks pretty damn good. Um, I think the Pistons are – I think they would be lying if they told you they weren't surprised he dropped to five. Um, pairing him with Cade Cunningham is going to be super nice. They also drafted Jalen Duran later on um, in a trade, I should say. Uh, but what was your take on Jaden Duran going to the Pistons, Nathan? You mean Jaden Ivey? Jaden Ivey, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the backcourt is obvious how, how the fit's going to go with um, Cunningham and Ivey. That's, that's a backcourt for years to come if Ivey does pan out. Cunningham, we already saw a lot of flashes of him kind of becoming a good player. Um, the one, the two, it doesn't really matter how you play them. I guess Ivey's probably the two, even though he's shorter. Um, but th- that's going to be a very good backcourt. Um, I'm interested to see how they play together. This is kind of um, reminiscent of what the Cavaliers did a couple years ago with uh, Sexton and Garland. And, of, of course, Sexton ended up getting hurt this year, and, and the Cavaliers were good anyways. Um, but maybe the development of the two competing with each other made them both better. And I think this is a similar dynamic that they're trying to copy. So um, remains to be seen how the Pistons move from here as far as developing the rest of their roster, but this is a nice foundation um, to maybe become a playoff team in a couple of years. Yeah, well said. What about you, Aaron? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I think the Pistons are going to be very happy with Jaden Ivey. And, you know, Nate, I, I, I don't disagree that it looks similar to what the Cavs did with Garland and Sexton. But I, I will say what the Pistons have going for them that the Cavs did not is that Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham are very good at two totally different things. I think Cade Cunningham is not as good of a scorer uh, as a pure one-on-one scorer as Jaden Ivey is. Whereas Cade Cunningham is a much, much better passer, in my opinion. I think Darius Garland and, and Sexton had a little bit of trouble because they both needed to have the ball in their hands to do anything productive. Whereas here, I think, you know, there's, there's almost a synergy that might be able to develop between the two of them where they'll be able to play fast pace. They'll be able to keep the ball moving and they'll just be they'll be young and fast. And I think that's a tough thing to stop for a, a lot of teams. So. Jaden Ivey pans out, and if Jalen Duren can end up being, you know, anywhere similar to you know, the future Dwight Howard, which is what people are comparing him to, I think that's going to be a very fun young core to be to watch. I think they're going to have a lot of potential to grow. So I think this pick is going to be one of the ones that really depends on the next few years and how they all develop together. But I, I really liked it. Yeah, well said. I'm super high on, on uh, Jaden Ivey. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, with the sixth pick, the Indiana Pacers took or selected Benedict Matherin from Arizona. Um, I really like this pick. Uh, I think he has a lot of intrigue for me. He's super athletic. Uh, shooting's not the best, but uh, you know they almost went to the final. Final. Um, I think he's a really good player. Super athletic. Like I said, plays good defense. Uh, Nathan, what's your take on this guy? Yeah, I watched him. He's a little out of control, but that doesn't mean he's not. He can't be a good player. Um, the Pacers, to me, kind of are lacking in identity right now. Um, I, I don't know like, like what their kind, what their plan is. Um, I, when you bring an athletic guy in the building, you can help a team that kind of has a strong foundation and structure. But I think a guy like Matherin is going to get lost in this team. Um, to me, this just this pick has the smell, like all the smell and all the sounds of a bust. Um, not necessarily because of the player, but more because of the player and the situation he's going to. Um, I don't know. It, it just seems like he's going into a bad situation, no identity. He's just going to kind of use his instincts and play and not really have any mentorship. And I, I just don't see this working out. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. What about you, Aaron? 
Yeah, I, I mean, when I first saw this pick, I, I can't say I was surprised. This seems like a very Pacers pick to pick somebody that's maybe a little older but has that production already already established. But I was definitely a little confused because I don't see how Matherin fits very well with this roster, given that they have Halliburton, who they just picked up. They have Duarte, who looked great as a rookie. Um, so I don't know how many minutes they're each going to get and how they're going to play together. But the more I think about it, the more I feel like the Pacers are turning into an almost Spurs type organization where they take these players that kind of get overlooked by other teams and they just turn them into very, very solid, productive NBA players. Uh, you know, you saw that with Malcolm Brogdon. Like I said, Chris Duarte had a great season. I don't think anyone really expected that. Hal Burton just keeps keep showing off how good he is. Even Sabonis coming over from, from the Magic. I mean, they, they made him a player that other teams really wanted to trade for. And so if anybody can make this pick look great a couple years down the line, it's going to be the Pacers. So I think it's just on them to figure out how to get all three of those young players sort of meshing together in a way that, that helps them all shine. But I think Matherin, he's a really solid producer, was one of, if not the best player on one of the best teams in the country last year. So I think uh, there's nothing but up here for the Pacers. I agree. He's a, he's an athletic freak. Uh, look, they, I like what Indiana is doing. They traded for Halliburton, which was to me a shocking deal how they got him. Uh, look, they have Duarte there. who's pretty solid. Now you add uh, Benedict Mather into the mix. I think uh, Miles Turner is going to be on the go pretty soon. So they'll get some assets for that. Indiana has a chance to be a pretty good team in a couple of years. So uh, I definitely like what they're doing. I, I, I love this pick. So good for them. Um, Portland, where's, where's, where's Matherin going to play on this team? I think he's going to move to the small forward position. And I think, you he know, has, I think he has a size and strength to, to make that work. Look, he has the size to do it, but I don't know, watching him, that just doesn't seem to me a place where he's going to succeed. I don't know. We'll I, see, but you're I, right. I, I mean, he's going to have to move to the small yeah. forward position on this team. I, I don't see it working. Honestly, out. this guy gives me this guy gives me Andrew Wiggins vibes. I, I, I don't know. I just I think he's going to be a pretty good player. We'll see what happens. It's too early to tell right now. But uh, any last words on uh, Benedict? No. All right. Um, that leads us to our next pick, the Portland Trailblazers. Um, before I announce their pick, I'm very surprised they didn't trade this pick considering they just traded for Jeremy Grant and they have Damian Lillard there. So they – I would assume they want to be in win now mode. Look, and with that pick, they selected Shaden Sharp. Um, in case you guys don't know who this guy is for the viewers at home, Shaden Sharp was the number one high school recruit coming out of high school. Um, he didn't play one minute at Kentucky. Uh, this guy's uh, ceiling is very, very high. He just hasn't played. So that's the issue. Um, he can score with just about as good as anyone else can in this draft. Um, Aaron, what was your take on this pick? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I, I know I've been pretty high on most of the picks up until now, and this is going to potentially be one that I regret saying, but I, I was not very happy with the Shaden Sharp pick here from the, from the Trailblazers. And, and the main reason for that is I have nothing against Shaden Sharp. I'm sure he's just incredibly talented. Um, but the problem is I just don't think the Blazers know what they're doing right now. You know, they have Damian Lillard on the roster. They traded for, uh, for Jeremy Grant, but you have a roster with an aging star and this guy has given everything to Portland and they just cannot get a win now team around him. Instead, <laughs> they keep trying to get young players who are going to be good maybe in like three, four years. But by that time, Damian Lillard's knees are going to be nothing but dust. So I just 
don't know what they're looking to do here. If they wanted to win now, like you said, they would have traded the pick for somebody good. If they wanted to build towards the future, maybe they trade Damian Lillard and try to get additional draft assets. But I just I don't see where the direction of this of this team is going. And, and I think Shaden Sharp especially has just so many question marks around him, given that he didn't play a second of basketball at Kentucky. The only tape we had was him in high school. He didn't even play at the NBA Combine. And so it's really just a huge question mark. And, and I don't think that's a that's something that the Blazers should have done. I think there are other teams in this draft that could have taken the risk, like the Thunder. But I just really don't see how this helps the Blazers win now. Yeah, considering the, yeah, well said. Well, considering their history of Brandon Roy and uh, Greg Oden, you would you would think they would stay far away from uh, injury history. Um, right. Look, uh, Nathan Shaden Sharp is obviously a tremendous talent, but I don't know if he should have been you know this high drafted yet. What what's your take on it? You know, it's, it's interesting to me because when I look at the, the Blazers, I, I do see a team that has the potential to start winning now. But I, I don't know that Shaden Sharp doesn't help them win now. Um, I mean, with the development of Anthony Simons last year, you, you can argue that they might have. I know they lost CJ McCollum, but you could have a backcourt with Lillard and Simons that we haven't really seen yet that could resemble the Splash Brothers. Um, this could be Splash Brothers North, Northwest, whatever you want to say. Um, so depending on whether or not what we saw from, from Simon's last year is for real and it can replicate that with Lillard, um, we, they might have a backward of the future, which opens the door for, um, uh, for Shaden Sharp to next year maybe be a six-man, kind of like in the Tyler Hero mold right away and contribute off the bench when one of these guys sits. Um, and I think that's a good role for a guy that hasn't um, that, that hasn't necessarily played very much upper level basketball at all. Um, I think it's maybe a low pressure role. And it's at the same time, it's a role where he gets to do what he's used to doing, which is being kind of the, the primary ball handler when he's in. Um, but he also doesn't have the pressure of being a starter on a team trying to win, but he can still help them. So I think this is a good fit for him. As far as for the Blazers as a whole, it will see if he's a good player, then it's it's a, it's a home run. And if he's not, then this is going to look really bad. And then everyone will be saying, oh, why didn't they trade the pick? But if he looks good, then everyone's going to be saying, wow, they're geniuses. They, this is a perfect fit. This team is unstoppable. They're scoring 125 points a game. Yeah. So that, that's what it's going to come down to. Um, and it's hard to, for me to make the decision right now. But regardless, I think it's a great fit for Shaden Sharp himself. Yeah. Like, like you guys yeah. said, uh, very talented. I don't think it's a win now move either. Look, maybe they will trade them before the season starts. That's not out of the realm of possibility considering they just traded for Grant. Uh, I think they're going to re-sign Nurkic. Lillard's up there in age. Maybe they'll get a, another veteran there for Sharp. Um, but if he does stay, uh, Sharp and Simmons are a nice foundation going forward for the future as well. Uh, I'm very high on Simmons as well. So uh, I don't tremendously hate the pick. I just I, I don't know. I think they should have traded it. But as far as talent, I mean, he's very talented. So um, that's it. N number eight uh, is the New Orleans Pelicans. They took uh, Dyson Daniels uh, from the G League team. Um, yeah, very, very, very talented. Uh, his defense is off the charts. His shooting form is not the best. He doesn't score much. But uh, him and uh, Herb Jones are going to be uh, really nice together defensively. This might be one of the best defensive teams in the NBA next year. Uh, what's your take on Dyson Daniels, Nathan? Well, hold on. One of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Teams with rookies and young guys, their best defensive players, never good defensive teams. I think he can help them on defense. I think it's a good fit for them. 
Um, I think it's also important to note that he shot 25% from three last year in the G League. Um, it was only 14 games, but that's <laughs> not very good to say the least. Um, this is 73% free throw shooting maybe implies it'll be a little bit better of a shooter. But you're right, the Pelicans need defense. So he's going to help them in that regard. And when you're picking at eight, you're not necessarily looking for a superstar. And the Pelicans, where they're at, they're not necessarily looking for a superstar. They, they, need, they need role players and help. And so they probably took the first pick in the draft where they're saying, all right, we're not going for a guy that we're expecting to be a home run. We're going for a guy that we know fills a need that we have. And I agree that he fills a need that they have. So in that sense, it was a good pick. I think I'm pretty high on the Pelicans moving forward. But I'm, I, I don't think they're going to be a particularly good defensive team next year. Um, but I also think their timeline is a little bit um, – more extended yeah as, uh, Zion kind of grows into his own and maybe gets over some of his injury troubles in a couple of years then we'll see if Zion can kind of develop into a great defender and how everyone plays together so well we'll see because because look Zion's still a freak of nature they have Herb Jones they have Regalado now they have this guy that is drafted and and based off the stats last year they were a top 10 defensive team so I think they'll go up a little bit we'll see but uh, I think you and I are very high in the Pelicans regardless. I think they're going to have a really good season next year. I think this is just gravy for them, this pick. But yeah. uh, to finish what you were saying. Oh, no, I, I think I kind of finished what I was saying there. Um, I, I think that I'm pretty high on them in the future. Um, and I, I think the Pelicans will ultimately go as far as Zion takes them. But I do like when teams kind of are realistic in the draft and take guys that they think are going to help them. Um, with, with kind of a role player skill set as opposed yeah. to um, trying to pick a guy that's going to lead the team to the championship at eighth. Um, yeah. some, sometimes you get that guy. I mean, there's been plenty of guys that have gone there that have been that, but I think sometimes when you have sort of your superstars already, you should be drafting for foundation to really round out your roster. Well said. What about you, Aaron? Yeah, I kind of agree with Nate on some points here. I think – so I, I didn't know much about Dyson Daniels going into this draft, and I, I think that's pretty true for most people, given that there's not many people watching the G League uh, yeah. these days. But, you know, the more the draft came up, the more people were talking about this guy as, you know, a good defender, tall, pretty good passer too. Um, so I think this guy has a lot of potential, and, and I view him a lot like a DeJounte Murray type. And so I think that's kind of why I don't think this pick is great for the Pelicans right now. Um, Cause DeJounte Murray is, you know, undoubtedly all-star caliber at this point. Uh, he's a great passer. He's gotten into his own in terms of scoring. Uh, he's a great defender and they have a very similar build. You know, they're tall guards who are long, who can play defense, but he's not consistent enough right now to get, you know, a lot of minutes on a team like the Pelicans who, showed they were a serious team last playoffs where they competed. Um, I just don't think he's going to be able to step in and do what they need from him. I think Herb Jones is going to have more minutes than him. I think he's just going to be an afterthought on the bench. And that's fine. In a couple of years, he might be really good. But I don't think this helps transform them from a middling playoff team to a sudden competitor anytime soon. Yeah. Well said. Look, I agree. I don't think many fans and uh, watch G League games much. But, uh, you know, he's a top 10 pick. He he's very talented uh, defensively. Like I said earlier, shot needs work. It's a, it takes about a week to get out of his hands. Uh, it's it's going to take some time yeah. offensively, but uh, I mean, defensively is really good. So we'll see what happens. Um, that brings us to uh, Aaron's team, the San Antonio Spurs at number nine. They took one of my favorite players in this draft, Jeremy Shohan. I'm very high on him from Baylor power forward. Um, we'll start with you, Aaron. What was your take on this pick? 
Yeah, I mean, I am a Spurs fan, um, and so I might be a little harsher on them than other people. When I first saw this pick, uh, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't thrilled. <laughs> and that's nothing against Jeremy Shohan. I think he is a great player. I think he's got really high basketball IQ. He, he makes good plays in transition. He's, he's athletic. He's willing to take the threes and at a pretty efficient clip for, for somebody so young. But my only issue with this pick is that I just don't think the Spurs have much star power or direction yet. And I don't think this helps solve that. I think they're still waiting for that player to build their franchise around. And Shohan, to me, seems like a good second or third option. But I think there were other players on the board here that had higher potential and a little bit more star factor that I think maybe the Spurs should have taken a chance on. That being said, you know, the Spurs have a tendency to prove everybody wrong with how they draft and maybe taking some hidden gems that other teams don't even know exist. So, you know, I trust the Spurs. I think they'll turn this guy into a pretty solid player. But I just wish they had taken somebody that could have had that extra little bit of wow factor. So yeah. we'll wait and see how Shohan turns out, in my opinion. Well said. And what about you, Nathan? No, something about the Spurs, and this kind of extends to the Patriots as well. These teams are still drafting as if they have their superstar after their superstar is long gone. <laughs> the Spurs got tremendously lucky when they were able to get Tim, Tim Duncan when they already had David Robinson. And they were able to parlay that into multiple, multiple championships, as we saw. The thing is, they had Tim Duncan, a top 10 player by many people's standards ever. And they drafted around him to fit his skill sets very well. And they were able to get hidden gems. And when they're picking at 30, that's the thing you need to do. But now the Spurs are picking at nine and eight, and they don't have Tim Duncan. And they're not getting lucky in getting the first pick again. And they're still picking as if they're picking at 30. The Spurs have to understand that they don't have Tim Duncan anymore. They're not winning. And you can't just pick these role players and guys you haven't heard of as much if you have no stars. Like the Pelicans were in the position to do that. The Spurs are not, like Aaron was saying. And so I actually don't trust the Spurs at all. And I think they actually have no organizational idea how to pick in this scenario because they've never been here before. Because last time they were here, they got really lucky and were able to get Tim Duncan. But they've never been in this situation. And, I mean, when you look at the Patriots in football – you're kind of seeing a similar thing right now. They don't have Brady anymore, and uh, they're they're a little bit lost with their identity, and they're maybe falling into a little bit of sub mediocrity, and we're we're maybe seeing that right now as well. I don't know. I, I, I like I like Shohan. I, I think what he did at Baylor was pretty impressive. Look, he's not going to light it up every game, but I think he he's just really good at every at everything. He's not great. He just is good at a lot of things, um, and I think that's what the Spurs need right now. Look, they have a good young core there. They have Keldon Johnson, obviously, they have Dejounte Murray. Uh, they got some players there, but I think they just need a couple more solid pieces. Look, you're not going to draft a franchise guy at number nine. Uh, you could get lucky at times, but I, I think what was available to them, I think this is a pretty solid pick. So I'm not no. going to give the Spurs too much crap here. Um, but I don't know. I, I like the direction where they went here. You know, I, I think uh, it's a little bit of high risk, but also high reward of him. I think he has a yeah. lot of talent. Um, if I could just jump back ahead. in here for, for a second. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think you're right. I think number nine is not really where you're going to get a star, but I, I think that's almost what made me a little bit, uh, you know, disappointed is the fact that for the first time in a while, the Spurs had three first round picks. They had number nine, number 20, and I think number 25. And I know the Spurs are a conservative organiz organization. They never really trade up in the draft. 
but this would have been the time to do it. They, I, I don't know how high they could have gotten, but I think they could have tried making a more aggressive play to get somebody that could maybe be a little bit more of that, you know, franchise piece. And I just think eventually the, the Spurs are going to have to realize that Tim Duncan is gone. Like Nate said, they have <laughs> to start getting more aggressive. And I think this would have been the draft to do it. So, you know, it, well, hopefully they prove me wrong and these guys all turn out to be great, but I would have just been nice to see somebody a little bit higher up on that board, go to the Spurs. Ah, oh, we just, we just can't get over Tim Duncan. When's he coming back? Yeah. it's uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I totally agree with you, by the way. I, I think they absolutely should have traded up in this draft. I will say you can get a guy at nine. I mean, DeMar DeRozan was the ninth overall pick. Yeah. yeah. Donnie I mean, Davis, who went 10th. I mean, if you're going to stay, if you're going to stay at nine and you're looking for a guy, I know the Spurs just had DeMar DeRozan. He wasn't that great there, but I mean, Johnny Davis at 10, maybe you look at him as a first, as, a, as opposed to who they took. I, so I, I agree. Look, I, I think, the Spurs could have definitely have packaged their three first round picks to get into the top five. I think that was definitely an option. Uh, I don't see how the, how the Pistons can turn that down, maybe a little bit more, but to get in the top five would have been really nice for the Spurs uh, to give them a player to go along with DeJounte Murray. Uh, but look, it happened now and we'll see, obviously they're one of the more conservative teams in the NBA. They have a history of not trading up much. So um, that's the pick and we'll see what happens. Uh, number 10 is uh, Nathan said, the Wizards took Johnny Davis. I like Johnny Davis. Um, his three-point shooting needs to get a lot better, but uh, he, he can score with the best of them in college basketball. Um, I just think he's a really solid player from Wisconsin. Um, w- what's your take on it, Nathan? I think this is a guy that has the opportunity to be a good NBA player. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be a world-beater, Hall of Famer kind of guy, but you're picking a 10, and you want a guy that's going to be an all-star. And, I mean, he has a chance to be an all-star. I think it also means that, that Bradley Beal is gone. Um, I don't really see much of a fit with the two of them. Um, you can't really have two guards that are shoot first guys um, and be super successful, um, especially when one of them is not really a three-point shooter. Um, so I, I think Bradley Beal is gone. And if they knew Bradley Beal was gone and they think Johnny Davis is going to be their next guy, then I think it makes sense. If Bradley Beal was still undecided or if they're still trying to figure out what to do there, um, then I think it's a bad pick because I think you prioritize Bradley Beal. But if he told the Wizards, look, I'm leaving, you guys can go ahead and pursue a signing trade, something like that, that, that nature, or trade, whatever. So that, then that's fine. But that, that's kind of my, my look on this pick. Yeah. Look, if you they took Johnny Davis, if you can trade Beal and get something to pair him up with, uh, that could be a potential little nice team there. Uh, Aaron, what's your take on Johnny Davis? Yeah, no, I, I actually really agree with Nate here, uh, which was rare, but I think uh, I think this pick is more about Bradley Beal than it is about Johnny Davis. Um, you know, I actually I love Johnny Davis. I think for lack of a better term, he's just a dog. He's got that winning mentality. He does what he needs to do to get a win. And he went from being, you know, an afterthought in college basketball to being maybe the best player besides Keegan Murray in the Big Ten. He just, you know, he's very aggressive knows how to win a game and, and I think the issue here is that I don't think he's going to be able to show that off as long as Bradley Beal is there and I think that's fine I think you know the Wizards have held on to Bradley Beal for too long now I think they're kind of dragging him into the dust and they should just let him go to a competitor I think they're which too, I think would, too late on getting a, a haul but yeah continue. yeah exactly and and the thing is Bradley Beal you know he's served his time in Washington he deserves to be on a competitor and the Wizards right now can't give Bradley Beal what he needs so I, I think for them, what would make sense is to let him go and start rebuilding. And I think a core of Johnny Davis, 
you know, Corey Kispert, maybe not, but Danny of the, uh, I think that's a great place to start for them. So yeah, they I'm still got, they still got Kuzma there. Who's a pretty good player. They got Rui Hachimara mm-hmm. when he's right. He could be pretty good. I mean, yeah, you agree. I don't think the issue is, uh, more of the wizards wanting to trade Beal. It's does Beal want to keep staying there? That's the problem. He's too loyal. We'll see right. what happens. Um, he's due for an extension now. Uh, time will tell, but as you guys said, I agree. As long as, uh, Bradley Beal is not there is a great pick for them considering they got him at 10. I think that's best case scenario for them. So number 11 got pretty interesting. All right. So the New York <laughs> Knicks took uh, Usman Dang, who then they traded to Oklahoma city and the Thunder sent out multiple first round picks. I don't know too much on this guy. I know he's from France. I know he's a freak of a, a freakish athlete. Um, Nathan, what's your take on this guy and the trade? Yeah, look, I'm not going to pretend to uh, know about Australian basketball that much. But, I mean, quickly looking at this guy's stats, he shot 39.8% from the field, uh, 27% from three, 67% from the free throw line, with three rebounds, one assist, unimpressive steal and block numbers, and 8.9 points in 20 minutes a game in Australia. I mean, he's a six foot seven center is what he's listed as. I, I honestly don't know what the Thunder are doing here. Maybe they know something I don't. I'm sure they know something I don't. But to me, this makes almost no sense. That being said, the organizational philosophy, as I talked about earlier, when you have so many picks of trading up for the guy you want and not worrying about the cost, I agree with. Um, but they better be sure that this is the guy because I really don't see what's going on here. Yeah, I, I agree. Look, Thunder have, as you said earlier in earlier podcasts, Thunder have more picks than roster slots. So they were, they were bound to trade some first round picks to move. They on. had to exactly. Um, look, I'm not going to criticize the pick. Um, that point, this team just needs talent and, a, and they have a lot of freakish athletes. Now we'll see what happens. Um, I'm not against the pick or, or I can't really say if I like it or not for the, this is a pick where time will just tell. I, I don't know how I feel yet. Uh, but Aaron, what do you, how do you think, see this pick? Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a tough one, and I think Nate's got a point there where I, I don't really see what the the Thunder and I guess you know the the scouts in the NBA see in this guy. I mean, he just seems like a middling European player, so I, I don't know why teams are so high on him. I think I think what's more interesting to me here is not so much the pick of Usman Dieng and him going to the Thunder, but rather the fact that the Knicks had this pick originally and chose to trade out of it. Yeah, that was bizarre. Yeah, to me, that was one of the most surprising moments in the draft, just because the Knicks right now are a team that are struggling. I know the Knicks fans are getting very, very frustrated with the Knicks fans. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I I just don't know what they did here. You know, pick it. They had the 11th pick. You can get a really quality play, a real quality player here. And instead, what they did is they trade the pick away for three future first rounders that I think are all pretty heavily protected. So th- there's not much benefit here, in my opinion. Yeah, they get rid of Kemba Walker, but to me, that doesn't justify trading away this pick. And I think they could have gotten somebody really good here, you know, a Jalen Durant, an A.J. Griffin, just somebody to help bring this team out of, like, the middling rut that is, like, the seven through nine seeds in the yep. East. Well said. And, and, and the bizarre part is the Knicks had Jalen Durant. They traded him, too, to the Pistons so they could right. trade Kemba Walker as well and get a buyout. Let's talk about the Knicks for a second. What are they doing? Uh, as you said, they, they need they just need a, as as many young players as they can get that are good. Um, and I just don't understand what they did. Yeah, they, they acquired more first round picks. They got off Kemba Walker's salary. The theory is they're trying to get 
Jalen Brunson in free agency, but I don't see Brunson turning a franchise around as a max deal. Uh, Nate, what's your take on the whole Knicks situation? Yeah, and first I'd like to correct myself from before. Um, Dieng is listed anywhere between a shooting guard and a center, depending on the source you look at. And he's actually now all the way up to 6'11". So he's clearly still growing, and he clearly doesn't have a well-defined positional role yet. And that might be what the Thunder are interested in, is kind of a guy who's still growing. He doesn't have a positional role. Maybe they think he's the next Giannis. I don't know. I don't see it right now. Maybe we look back on this in a couple of years and we're like, wow, we're really stupid. This guy's the best player in the NBA. <laughs> so maybe, and that's the type of guy the Thunder are looking at right now. They want a guy that's still growing. He has all this kind of untapped potential and maybe he's horrible or maybe he's not. And they can afford that because there's so many picks. So we're all, we're all, on, the record here. We're all on the record. Yeah. So, and now back to the Knicks. You know, I'm honestly, right now, I just think the Knicks are never going to be good. I mean, when you're chasing Jalen Brunson, like, this is a classic Knicks thing to do. I mean, sure, go ahead and sign Jalen Brunson. I mean, maybe he puts you up by two wins. I actually think Jalen Brunson's getting up on the Nets with all when all of this is said and done. I, I think there's going to end up being a sign-and-trade where Kyrie ends up on the Mavs and Jalen Brunson's on the Nets. Um, but if that's not the case, I'm sure the Knicks are going to throw a lot of money at him and he'll go to the Knicks and – They'll have R.J. Barrett and Jalen Brunson. And I don't know. They'll be the Knicks still. That doesn't really change anything for me. So, uh, yeah, they got to start making some draft picks. But they've been making draft picks, and they've been missing. So may- maybe it's good for them to do something different. Um, trade your draft picks and, I don't know, do something different, Knicks. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. Jerry's out on the Knicks. Uh, their plan is to get a, a, a big free agent this summer. They've definitely cleared the cast space to do that and acquired some picks for the future trades, but potentially we'll see. But I know a lot of Nick fans are not happy at this moment today. Um, number 12, we're back to Oklahoma City again uh, with their 18,000 picks. So they took Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Uh, in case you guys don't know, there's a number famous, another famous player that went to Santa Clara. That's Steve Nash, 18 years ago. Um, look, Jalen Williams looked up his numbers, solid score, had a ton of assists. Potentially be a good player. I think at this point, OKC is just trying to draft as many young good assets as they can get. And uh, this is what they did in Jalen Williams. We'll see. Jury's out on him. Um, what's your take on this pick, Aaron? Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't hate this pick. I think we've said it before. The Thunder have a lot of picks and might as well just take some flyers on guys who could end up having a lot of potential. And I think Jalen Williams is actually one of them. I know a lot of people didn't probably didn't know who this guy was before he started uh, – climbing up draft boards after the combine but the guy i've watched some tape and he is he's a great scorer he just didn't have the luxury of playing for a team with a lot of media coverage i i think he's going to end up being a pretty solid player I, the biggest question to me is just how are the thunder going to play all these guys um because yeah. they've got a lot of picks in this draft they have a lot of young players already on the roster and i think they're going to have to start making some some tough decisions about who they want to bet on and who they want to just cut loose um but, I, I mean, I think, you know, it makes sense to take a player like Jalen Williams. I don't know necessarily if they had to take him at 12. Maybe could have waited until a little later. But, you know what, the hindsight is twenty twenty. So, if he ends up being good, I think we're all going to end up thinking this was a great pick. Yeah. Uh, Nathan? Yeah. And so, I kind of have the same issue with, with Aaron. How I don't know if they're going to play these guys. Um, and this is kind of just a, a factor of having all of these picks is what do you do with them? Because they just traded three picks, but they still have too many picks. Um, like, when you take your third guy in the top 12 picks, I mean, and you already have some other guys that you're developing from last year, 
when's he going to play? And then you say, oh, well, tr- we trade the pick. Well, if you trade the pick, then you just get more picks. And if you say trade him for a player, but they don't want a player, they want to develop the other guys, which kind of <laughs> ultimately brings you back to the main problem, which is not this pick, because eventually you have too to many pick somebody. <laughs> the problem is they have too many picks. I mean, don't trade for this many picks. So it's it really is an organizational problem. And you start diluting the other players. And I think they're going to have to figure out some of these guys that they drafted really high. They're going to have to look at them in training camp and say, you're getting all the minutes and you're getting none of them. Yeah. Well, and so whether Jalen Williams gets the minutes or whether Jane gets the minutes, I don't know. And so that's kind of, I think it's going to be one or the other. And it shouldn't be both because I think it'll hamper each other's development. Yeah. Um, so if they think Yang had looks like he has maybe, maybe he needs time in the G league to really develop. That's, that's one option. And then you put him in the G league for a couple of years and you see how Jalen Williams is. If after two years and you trade him for a player, you think you're ready. You think Yang's ready to come back. Maybe that. Maybe that's how you approach the situation. We'll see. Uh, as we said, they currently <laughs> still have more first-round picks than roster slots, so it's going to be an interesting time at OKC. Um, anything else in this situation before we move on? No, I think we're good. Yeah, I think we're good. All right, that's number thirteen. As we talked about earlier, um, this is a very bizarre pick. So Charlotte Hornets drafted Jalen Duran, instantly traded him to the Knicks. Then the Knicks traded him to Detroit with Kemba Walker. Um, so now the Pistons uh, now inherited Jalen Duran along with Kemba Walker, and they instantly are going to do a buyout with Kemba. Um, I like Jalen Duran. I think uh, he should have been a top 10 pick. I'm really high on him. Um, I think he's athletic. Look, I don't think he's going to light it up in the field, but I think defensively he's really good. Um, I think maybe they did this move because they don't want to enter the Aiden sweepstakes and pay him the max. We'll see what happens. But uh, I like this pick. So what's your guys' take on it? Yeah, you know, it's tough these days to not shoot threes. Um, they just had Andre Drummond not that long ago. Um, there is a world where he becomes a very similar player to Andre Drummond. Um, he's a not, not a great free throw shooter. Um, he can't, doesn't shoot threes. Um, but he's a good rebounder, good interior scorer. And he might be another Andre Drummond type. And this is another pick that just really makes me think that the Pistons were watching the Cavs all year and saying, we're going to copy you. I mean, maybe he's their Jared Allen. I know they're not super, super similar, but they're trying to build a team the same way and maybe taking some notes from what the Cavs did and did wrong, like kind of how they have the better fit in the backcourt than the Cavs do and saying, we're going to build a team just like you and we're going to do it a little bit better and see if we can be a little better than you. So we'll see. They have to pan out first. Um, but I agree. I don't think they want, I don't think anyone should be paying DeAndre Aiden the max. Um, and especially now when it's a whole competition of who's going to get him paying the most money. I think the team that wins that sweepstakes ends up losing in the long run. So I, I like kind of sticking away from that if that is what they're going to do. All right. Uh, Aaron. Yeah. I mean, I, so I actually love Jalen Duran as a player. I think, I mean, he's a mountain of a man. He's big, he's strong. He's very athletic, and, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is he, uh, he kept getting better um, as the season went on. I, he proved as a passer. He started getting a bit smarter with the ball rather than just dribbling into double teams and losing the ball. And so I think for them, for the Pistons, it makes a lot of sense. I, I guess to me it means they're done with Isaiah, um, Isaiah Stewart, which I guess is fine. I don't think Isaiah Stewart was ever going to be a, a wonderful player, but I think for them, it makes a lot of sense. They've got a young core with Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey now. Jalen Duren as that rim runner, that lob catcher. Um, and so I just think this is an exciting pick. I, I don't hate the fact that he doesn't shoot threes. I think a lot of people overhype 
that attribute in centers these days. I think there's still a role for, you know, a big man down low who can be a bruiser, who can play defense, who can catch lobs. Um, Bam out of bio. Bam out of bio. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, we saw it like Festus Azili hasn't taken a, or not Festus Azili, Kevon Looney hasn't taken a jump shot, I think, in his life. And he still, you know, has a productive role on uh, on the Warriors. So I, I think this is something that could end up being a very solid pick for them. Uh, and I'm yeah, I'm not upset about it whatsoever. All right. Well, uh, I agree. Look, I, and back to the Knicks again. Uh, they traded Kemba Walker, but they shouldn't even been in that position because they shouldn't have signed him after what they saw from the Celtics. So they put themselves in that position. And I like what the Pistons are doing. They're just you know accumulating talent. Uh, I like Jalen Durant. I think they got two of the top ten on my big board. Um, so I like what they're doing. Um, number fourteen, Cleveland Cavaliers. Look, they took Abaji, a senior from Kansas. I, I don't like the word 3 and D, but if you had to label one guy that's going to be a 3 and D, I think it's him. I don't think he's going to be a superstar by any means or even a star, but I think he's just going to be a solid player in the NBA. Um, I like him. Uh, to me, he gives me 3 and D vibes. But uh, what's your take on him, Aaron? Yeah, I, I love this pick for the Cavaliers. I think the Cavaliers have one of the brightest futures in the East right now, if not the league. I, I think, you know, they really found a strong core with Darius Garland, with uh, Evan Mobley, with Jared Allen. And, and I think the one thing that they really needed was just somebody to play next to Darius Garland who can take on that defensive role. And I think Igbaji can do that. I, you know, he was the best player on the best team in college last year. And, you know, he's going to be very productive. He's, he's a bit older, which I think is good for them. Because right now they're a team that's that's pretty competitive with the rest of the league. So they yeah, need somebody piece, yeah. who has that experience. Yeah. And he's played it on the brightest stage, the biggest stage in the in the NCAA championship. And so I think he's ready to just come in and start being productive next to Darius Garland. Um, I am still curious what they're going to do with Colin Sexton at this point. Um, but I don't think, you know, I don't think taking a Baji rules out the possibility of keeping all those players. I think this is just a very solid roster addition to a team that already looked very good, but just got hurt with injuries. So overall great pick for them. Yeah. Very well said. I agree with you on the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have a bright future ahead. I think they're one of the more young talented teams in the league. Um, if, if Evan Mobley takes another step this year, they could be a dangerous team. They could be a potential second round team this year. So we'll see what happens with the Cavs. Uh, Nathan, what's your take on this pick? You know, uh, he, he kind of shrank in the, in the NCAA tournament. I know he was named um, the most outstanding player. I really don't think he deserved it. I think that was based off his regular season performance. He just wasn't the guy in the tournament. And, you know, when you're the senior on the national championship team and you're not the guy, I don't know that you're a lottery pick. Um, and, look, there's been – like, Bam Adebayo was a lottery pick, and he was not necessarily the guy on, on Kentucky. But he also was a skill set that Agbaji doesn't have. The, the skill that he has, he's kind of supposed to be the guy in college. And, yes, he got a little bit better every year in college. But also, I mean, when you're playing as a senior against guys who are 19 years old, you're going to be a little bit better. Um, and so I think a lot of times people draft seniors expecting something from them that they're not going to get. Um, and the fact that he wasn't great in big games tells me that he's not going to – I just don't think he's going to be a kind of – I really don't think he's any chance to be a transcendent player. Now, the, you can argue the Cavs don't need a transcendent player, and I actually would disagree with you. Um, I think the Cavs right now have a very good roster foundation, but they have no one on their team where I'd be like, that's a star. And they don't have any wow. other team that I really think projects to be a star. I disagree. I think Darius Garland's a star. Yeah. I don't think he's a superstar, but I think he's a, a, a really good – I think he'd be a second player to a championship team. 
I, well, I, and I, I think would, Darius I Garland, Darius Garland he, is a third player. Darius Garland has just gotten better and better every year he's been in the league. And he's already been an all-star this year. So I just think the ceiling is nothing but up for him. So I don't think they need another transcendent player. I think Darius Garland is the guy for, for the Cavs. And Agbaji is just that little extra 3 and D guy they needed to be competitive. Yeah. Do, do you think Darius Garland is ever going to be as good as Damian Lillard? Um, I think he can get there. His shooting's pretty elite. Uh, he plays good defense. Uh, he's, he, he's just a good player. I, I think he can get there one day. I think two or three years from now, uh, we'll see if that conversation happens. But I think there's a real chance he could not be a Damian Lillard, but be pretty damn close to it. I just don't see it. And even if he is, I mean, Damian Lillard's obviously never made a championship. I, I think what the Cavs have right now is they have an excellent supporting cast for LeBron James. I mean, you know, I say LeBron because he's not there anymore. But if the Cavs were somehow able to get a guy like LeBron and put him on this team, that's where you start to say, wow, they're a championship contender. The Cavs are like two superstars for me away from competing for a championship. They just have a roster skeleton. I'm not done with the Cavs yet. I think Mobley can be a superstar. I think uh, what he's shown this year, he's been really good. I think he can be a superstar in two or three years. Uh, for me, I think he has I, the best chance on their team. I, he, I think yeah. I gave him much more of a chance than Garland. I, think I, I don't this team think he's has a super to, high but... ceiling. We'll see. Um, well, we'll I mean, see. I, I think they needed Agbaji at this pick to be a guy that's going to be the superstar for them. They're not going to sign anyone. And I just think he, at best he's a role player. And I think they already have a lot of those guys who are very good role players to borderline stars that are the type of guys that win you a championship if you have Steph Curry, if you have LeBron, if you have, I'll say, Jimmy Butler. But, um, you know, I, I, they don't have that guy, and Agbaji is not going to be that guy, and they needed to hit a home run with this pick. And I think Agbaji is one of the least likely guys to be that home run. Let, let, can I ask you, Nate, um, if you were the Cavs, who would, you, who would you have drafted instead of number 14? Who do you think would have done better than Agbaji in this, in this situation? You know, I, I don't know if I have an answer from the draft necessarily. I, I mean I, – there's other guys with higher ceilings for sure. Like, I mean, I'd even go as far to say who the Heat got at 27 is more likely to be a superstar, yeah, Nikola Jovic, um, if, if that's how you say Oh, that's a Heat fan right really there speaking. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually tend to agree with Nathan, all bias aside, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, we'll get um, to that. I mean, I'm not saying I think he's definitely going to be a better player. I think he's more likely to be the superstar that, that they're looking for. But, um, like, it, it, anyone – is, is a higher ceiling than this guy, Agbaji. I, he just, to me, screams, like, hopefully he'll be a good role player. Like, if maybe the Cavs don't even make this pick. They, they trade, you trade up, you, you do something to not take this guy because if you're the Cavs, you need to be in superstar pursuit, not in let me find more roster pieces pursuit, in my yeah. opinion. Well, well, we'll see what happens. Jerry's out. Aaron and I are, are on the same boat as this team's mega mm-hmm. talented. We'll see what happens. Um, I don't hate the pick. I think he's going to be a solid role player, which they need. Um, I think a lot of fans are under the presumption that every single first-round pick has to be a superstar. It's very hard to do that. Um, I'm speaking in general, um, so we'll see what happens. But to, to number 15, the Charlotte Hornets took Mark Williams from, from Duke. I think he's a safe pick. I think the, the Hornets needed a center. They got him. Um, look, I don't think he's going to be a star by any means, but I think he'll be – a a pretty quality starter, if not a, an awesome backup center. So what's your take on this pick, Aaron? Yeah, so again, got to di- gotta disclose to the fans, I am a Duke fan, so it might be a little bit biased here. But I know there was a lot of confusion when the Hornets ended up passing on Jalen Duran to take Mark Williams. 
And I can see why people thought that, but I love this pick for the Hornets. And honestly, I thought they should have just taken Mark Williams at 13 if they had a fear that he was going to go. Because to me, Mark Williams is exactly what this team needed. I think they struggled a lot on defense last season, and Mark Williams was the defensive anchor of a very, very strong Duke team. He was one of the tallest centers in the draft, the longest center in the draft. He's a great lob catcher, great shot blocker, and he's he, he's got a high defensive IQ. So I think Mark Williams is just going to fit in so well into that roster, especially with LaMelo Ball just as a great passer, throwing him some logs, lobs. I think this is going to be a very, very fun team to watch, and I think he fits a great you know roster hole for them. So I think the Hornets nailed this pick, and I think Mark Williams – I don't think he'll ever be a superstar and I don't think that's what the Hornets needed, but he will definitely be someone that they're happy. They have sort of, you know, a Clint Capella type player where he doesn't have to do everything, but what he does, he does very well and very efficiently. All right. You heard it here first, Nathan. You'll hear it here. Second, the exact same thing. I think this is a home run. I think this is maybe the best pick of the draft. Um, No, nowhere else did I see a team address their needs. So succinctly, Um, I mean, defensive player of the year in the ACC, um 72 percent from the field obviously those are almost all dunks but he has a guy in Lamelo that's going to feed him this team does not need a superstar this team scores like absolutely crazy um they don't really have a center um and now they get an anchor on their defense that yep. they desperately need i mean if you watch the hornets last year <laughs> i can't watch the, any the more plumley minutes anymore i'm sick of it i mean uh, i'm sure the hornets defense last year was actually disgusting it was tough to watch when your team was scoring on them because you felt bad for them yeah i mean he had some games where they were dropping like 150 points on them in four quarters it was like the hornets, the hornets couldn't do anything it was like watching them play against like third graders and then on offense sure they're exciting sometimes but i mean it was disgusting they could not play defense absolute joke i mean they needed something and this is exactly what you need for this type of team all so, right well uh, i think they, you guys they, are there's all in a lot of work to do there's a lot of work to do on defense for this team but this was the first step they needed to take all right well I, you guys are high on mark williams i think he's gonna be a solid starter if not a great backup center but uh from what i'm hearing i think he's gonna be just fine so uh that's mark williams and to our last pick we're gonna get into the atlanta hawks i'm i'm intrigued by this pick uh, it's another Dookie, A.J. Griffin. Um, look, he has an injury history, but he's healthy. He's pretty freaking good. Um, he could have been a top 10 pick easily. Um, I'm high on him. I think he scores. I think his three-point percentage is nice. I think he's a jack of all traits. I don't think he does anything at an, at an elite level, but I think he does everything at a really good level. So um, that's my take on A.J. Griffin. I'm fine with this. Uh, I think it's a low-risk, high-reward pick for Atlanta at 16. Um, so... We're going to start with the, the Duke guy first. Aaron, what's your take on this pick? Yeah, I mean, got to rep my Duke guys. I think this is a great pick for the Hawks. And honestly, I was shocked to see him fall so far in the draft. I, I get the injury history uh, concern here for a lot of teams. But I, I think what teams maybe blew out of proportion here is I don't think A.J. Griffin is going to be the guy that's, you know, putting his body through the ringer like young Derrick Rose was doing. I don't think he's going to be high-flying or – you know, jumping for every loose ball. I think he's just the guy that you bring on the team. He shot 45% from three last year. And I can tell you from experience, some of those were very, very tough shots, some step backs, some, you know, half court shots, but he was just one of the most consistent three point shooters I've seen in college basketball. And I think the Hawks, you know, got a very talented roster. You know, they've, they've gone back and forth between being very, very competitive and maybe less so competitive, but I think this is just something that helps, create a very well-balanced roster. And I think A.J. Griffin might end up 
surprising some people with just how consistent he is. Well said. Nathan? You know, I think this is about Danilo Gallinari. Um, I think the Hawks might waive him. Um, there's been some rumors that that might happen. He's in the last year of his contract anyways. I, I think they're kind of drafting him to be Danilo Gallinari's replacement. Um, it's funny. They both have the injury histories as well. But I, I think that's what this pick is about. And I know he's a little bit shorter than Danilo, but I, I think they're kind of similar players, especially it'll maybe earlier in Griffin's career, they'll be so, sort of similar players. Um, mm-hmm. So I think they're hoping he can be that for them. And they're kind of trying to run it back. But when you're picking at 16, you don't exactly have kind of the luxury of taking a guy that like is going to, you think is going to be incredible. But if you think he can be Danilo Gallinari for a lot cheaper and you open up that cast base and then go, maybe chase someone else in the cap space and replace him with a rookie. I think you've done a great job. Interesting. All right. Well, those are our picks from one through 16 uh, recap guys. I'm going to give you one pick that happened later in the draft that you guys really liked. Um, Aaron, I'll start with you. Do you have one player in particular that uh, you said, wow, I can't believe you fell that far. Or I really like that pick for this team at that uh, range. Yeah, I do. Actually, I have one uh, and I'm going to ignore every other Duke pick just to you know not bore the fans too much. But the one that I was actually really happy to see was Patrick Baldwin Jr. to the Warriors at number 28. Um, so this kid, Richard. people who don't, yeah, who, who don't know who Patrick Baldwin was because he played for UW-Milwaukee, I think, last year. He was a guy very high touted out of, out of high school, and then he played for his dad at Milwaukee and just did not do well uh, against some pretty bad competition. And so he fell from what was supposed to be a top 10 pick down to number 28. And I think a lot of teams, if they had drafted him, we would have said that's a bad pick because I don't think he's anywhere near ready to be a very competitive or productive member of a, of a roster. But I think what, what's good here is that the Warriors, I mean, obviously just coming off a championship, they don't really need anybody else to contribute. And they still have a lot of young pieces that are just ready to be the next ones up. They got Kuminga, they got James Wiseman, they got Moses Moody. And so I think if there was anywhere for Patrick Baldwin to just be able to show up get some work in, get better, and finally get himself back to being a productive player, I think that's the Warriors. And, you know, they've got an aging core with Steph Curry, Draymond, and Clay. And so, you know, this honestly sets them up for the future. And I'm honestly kind of scared considering how many good young assets they're starting to put around. Yeah, And <laughs> I think they could be good until we're all well into our – you know 40s and 50s which I might have grandkids and they'll still be really good we'll see yeah we'll see they're uh, gonna ask us hey do you remember a day where the warriors weren't the best team in the league and i am gonna say honestly no no i don't yeah well yeah. hopefully uh <laughs> yeah it's gonna be scary for sure nathan what about you you know i'm gonna go all the way deep into the second round with the isaiah mobley pick to the Cavs. Mm. i'm kind of talking about earlier how you uh think that uh, evan mobley can become a star um, I think what the Cavs are doing here is making him happy. And, you know, if, if you think the guy's going to become a star, you want to do everything you can to uh, to keep him around. And <laughs> it, it, picking the guy's brother is a great call. I mean, they they clearly like each other. They went to the same college, and now they're going to be in the same pro team. And, by the way, Isaiah Mobley, I think, is a decent prospect. I think he's very good value in the late second round. I mean, he's a big man, can play good defense, he can shoot the three. I mean, his free throw shooting like tremendously improved last year. He's like a mid-50 shooter. He all went all the way up to almost 70%. Um, you know, he has a lot of NBA skills. I don't see why he can't be a good player. And I know he struggled a little bit in the tournament against the Canes this year. Um, but that's one game. And he was great in the tournament last year. So he has showed up in, in big games. And when the, in uh, USC made the lead eight last year. And, you know, I, I think the guy can be a good NBA player. But ultimately, this is 
course, about his brother and making his brother happy. Um, so regardless of whether or not he pans out with a late second round pick, if you just accomplish that, you're doing good. But if you accomplish that and get a guy that, I mean, he could maybe be a good NBA player too. I, I think you've made an excellent pick in the late yeah, second round. Well said. Um, I'm going to give uh, the viewers at home two quick picks. Um, I was pretty surprised that uh, he fell to 41. Uh, EJ Liddell, I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, he went to the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans are, are nailing their draft, man. And uh, they have a very interesting team, as we spoke about earlier in the podcast. Like I said, look, he's not going to be a superstar, maybe not even a star, but he's going to be a really good player. Um, he's he's kind of like the jack of all traits. Um, I think uh, he does a lot of things well, and I don't know why he fell to 41. He was projected to be in the first round for a lot of people. Um, so I like that pick a lot, but for me, one of the biggest steals of the draft was actually the Spurs at pick number 20. Um, uh, Malachi Branham from Ohio state. This guy was projected to be in the top 10 of some rounds, but his scoring was unbelievable. He, he really took another step at the late of the season. Um, he shoots the three ball. Well, makes his free throws, uh, very good in assist plays decent defense, but to fall to 20 and the Spurs take him. Uh, that was a steal of a pick. And I know you're a Spurs fan, Aaron. What's your take on that pick really quick? Yeah, I, I actually completely agree. I was honestly surprised to see this guy fall so far. Um, I saw some mock drafts that were having him in the top 10. I thought that was a little bit high, but it seemed to me that teams were really high on him. And I totally get why, because I don't think I've ever seen a college basketball player get so consistently better every single game he played. And I think by the time he got to the tournament, he was just dominant. And so I think this guy, if the Spurs really focus on him and try to develop him into a, a franchise cornerstone, I think they're going to be really happy with how he turns out because he checks all the boxes yeah. uh, for what you want from a player. So love that pick for them. Yep. Agree. And uh, Nathan, uh, since this is somewhat of a Miami podcast, uh, we have to talk about Nikola Jovic for a second. Uh, what's your take on this pick? So I'm going to start by uh, giving you Pat Riley's quote, which is this kid is going to be good. He's going to be very good. Um, you know, Pat Riley early in his career in Miami was not a good drafter. Um, I think he's kind of shaken those allegations a little bit. I mean, of course, he drafted Dwayne Wade, but other than that, he, had, he didn't. And by the way, when he drafted Dwayne Wade, he wanted Chris Bosh. Um, he, didn't, he didn't get Chris Bosh because of uh, he actually beat the Raptors the last game of that season. Mm-hmm. But regardless, um, he did draft Dwayne Wade, so I'll give him credit. But after that, he was pretty shaky in the draft. Until recently, he's done an excellent job. And, of course, after the draft as well. So, Pat Riley gets a lot of credit here. And that those words from him make me excited. Um, also, I mean, the positional fit for the Heat is excellent. We, we kind of had no power forward last year. I know we were playing P.J. Tucker there. I, I guess he's a power forward. You, someone argues a small forward. Regardless, um, I, I think Jovic slots in well. We might lose Tucker this year. We also might lose uh, Morris, who we don't really want to be playing anyways. There's actually a path for Jovic to play right away. Um, we're not we're not going to ignore his uh, name here. Or honestly, he kind of looks a little bit like Nikola Jokic as well. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't think we could ignore that. I, I think that's important to some degree. Um, there's clearly been a path for uh, guys like him to succeed in the NBA. He was very – he put up great numbers um, in his international career, um, brief international career at least. Um, and so I'm excited about this. I think it's a good fit. I, I believe in what Riley's doing. And um, we'll see. Obviously, I haven't seen much of this guy playing, but I'm, I'm going to be excited to watch him. Um, and we'll, we'll see what the Heat can do with him. Yeah. Based off what I read, um, I don't watch much Serbian basketball, but based on what I read, he could be a potential really good player for this team. 
Um, he fits a lot of needs that the Heat need, uh, especially rebounding. Um, Pat Riley said it best. Uh, he doesn't care where you're from. You can play basketball. We're going to take you. Uh, does a lot of things well. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, before we go, guys, we're going to do uh, – we're going to give our best draft and worst uh, draft. Um, Aaron, let's start with you. Who had the best draft in the uh, yesterday, last night? Oh, that's a, that's a tough question because I think a lot of teams ended up doing pretty well. Um, if you want, you can, give, honestly, me, you can think, give me one or two. It doesn't have to be just one. Yeah, I mean, I really, really like what the Pistons did. Yep, I think I they just got better across the board and they didn't force anything. They just let the draft come to them, which I think was really, really smart. Um, so I think they're going to have a young core that ends up being being really solid. Um, and so I think they're going to end up liking what they did there. Um and maybe the other team that I was pretty happy with is one we've already talked about, which um, which was the Cavs. And I know Nate disagrees with this one, but I think the Cavs ended up making a lot of smart picks here. They knew they didn't have to do anything crazy. They're already competitive. They just needed to fill out the roster some, and they did exactly that with Ibaji. I mean, taking Isaiah Mobley to make his brother happy is always smart. Um, so I really like what they did. They didn't get crazy with it, and, you know, they just got better. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, interesting said. And uh, Nathan, what about you? You know, I, I think I'm going to say the, the best pick, which I already talked about, was I think the Hornets picking Mark Williams. Not that I think he's the best player in the draft. I just think that was the best pick given the circumstances. Yeah, based on value, but sure. when I'm saying best draft, I'm going to say the team that ended up with the best players. And I'm going to go with the Thunder. Um, we're, we're overlooking that they got Chet Holmgren. I, I think you still have to make that pick, even as obvious as it seems. I think the Thunder getting Chet Holmgren just really – it solidifies this um, in addition to um, everything else they did in, in this draft. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see where they go from here. Um, I know with three picks is kind of in the top 12, it's easy to have like a, a great draft per se, but I, I think they have the most overall talent coming in. And while I think maybe the fits are going to be questionable and how they're going to play these guys down the road, but that's more of a product of what they did before from what they had right now with the trading up to get who their guy is, I'm going to give them credit for the best draft overall. All right. Interesting. Uh, for me, look, as Aaron mentioned earlier, the Pistons, another team just based off where they were positioned and what they did. I really liked what the Pelicans did. They're just accumulating a lot of talent. Um, I think their time is coming soon. If Zion can stay healthy, they have a pretty good team up there. Um, we're going to go with our worst draft for me. They had two picks, but I just do not like what the Timberwolves did. Um, they had a chance to get a lot better. Uh, you know, they were just, they just made the playoffs this year. I do not like pairing Walker Kessler next to cat. Uh, I think that's one of the worst fits for him. Uh, he cannot shoot the ball at all. Defensively is great, but that's why you have cat there as well. Uh, I just don't like what the Minnesota Timberwolves did at all. Uh, what about you, Nathan? What's your uh, worst draft or one of them? I should say at least. I agree. I didn't really like what the Timberwolves were doing. Um, I'd say my worst draft overall, though, was probably the, um, the Spurs, as I kind of talked about before. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I didn't like what the Spurs did. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I, 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 I talked about this at length earlier. I, I think they're drafting as if they think that they are, that they have Tim Duncan, um, and, and they own Tim Duncan to walk through the door anytime soon um what, what do the spurs flat. ever do to you man <laughs> the spurs had three first round picks and they drafted none of them with superstar potential um you got to make a splash at some point this is not this is not and i'll tell you what the spurs did to me you know i'm a heat fan you know what the spurs did to me 
Yeah, interesting. That's for sure. All right, Aaron, uh, to finish this off, who was uh, your worst yeah. draft? Yeah, I, before I say that, I just want to say uh, I think Spurs having the worst draft is maybe a bit of a stretch there, Nate, um, <laughs> but I might be biased. I think, you know, they could have done better, but I think they ended up with some pretty good picks there. I think, in my, I mean, in my opinion, the worst draft was by far the Memphis Grizzlies, and I think that might be confusing to some people, but to me, just what they did made no sense. They were trading left and right across the board on draft day. And I don't think any of the trades they made made them better. They traded up to take Jake LaRavia from Wake Forest, which made no sense to me. He was a projected second round pick as long as their other Exactly. Way too high for him. He was the second best player on a middling ACC team. And I just don't understand how they think he's going to be the piece that helps them get to the the next step. And the other pick they got, they traded with the Sixers for David Roddy, who is a, I think a six, six power forward, which, you know, I don't really know how they expect to make that make that work in today's NBA. But to me that, you know, they were making a lot of trades. There were still some very good players on the board. And sure, they ended up getting Kennedy Chandler in the second round, who I think is a very good player, a good you know secondary ball handler to come off the bench for them. But I just think they could have gotten so much better value. And I don't really know what they saw in these players. Who knows? They could prove me wrong. But at this point, I, you know, I'm not high on what they did at all. Yeah. If there's one little caveat for the Memphis Grizzlies. They've basically been the best drafting team for the past five years. So I guess we'll cut them a little slack, but I totally agree. Both the guys they took were projected to be middle to late second round picks. So right. that was a little interesting for sure. Uh, Nathan, anything you want to speak on that before we go? Yeah, I just want to say, ultimately, I think when we're all evaluating draft here, no one's going to pretend like we really know how the players are going to be. When I'm evaluating, I'm, I'm kind of saying the mold of the player, like whether it's a high ceiling guy, a low floor guy, um, all, all that all that kind of stuff, and kind of what the team did with what they had. Um, and so when you're evaluating, when I'm evaluating the Spurs draft here, I'm saying the type of guys they drafted, not whether I think they're going to be good or not, because ultimately no one knows, but the types of guys they drafted and what they did with their draft picks, for me, makes no sense, um, yeah. given what, what I think they should have been doing. Yeah. Well, that wraps it up, guys. Uh, Aaron, Nathan, thanks for coming on. This is fun. Uh, I'll be releasing this tonight for all the viewers at home and uh, looking forward to having you guys on future podcasts. One last comment. Uh, everyone, every Heat fan, go watch, if you didn't already, um, the San Francisco versus Murray State first yes, round. Yes, Josh Bouye. I mean, look look at Bouye. That guy is absolutely incredible. I'm very excited for him to be uh, the next great Heat undrafted player. Um, if you haven't watched that game, watch it, and you'll be very excited with what you see. He was absolutely unstoppable down the stretch. Yeah. I know Murray State won that game. game but wow Bouye was impressive it's a it's a very impressive game and i agree aaron uh any last thoughts uh the only one i can really think of is that the biggest disappointment of this draft was that the heat took nikola jovic instead of the nuggets because i would have loved to see a Jokic jovic pairing it would have been a <laughs> nightmare that i would have absolutely loved to see but you know happy for the heat to take such a good player and uh besides that you know just happy to be on here thanks for having me on yeah man you're welcome all right guys well uh take care and uh we'll be talk soon see ya take care talk to you